May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Amen. Amen. When Moses stepped off the mountain, he did not know the skin of his face because skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. And when Jesus was on the mountain praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became a dazzling white. In some of the deepest prayer experiences of my life, I can't imagine that either my face or clothes changed. But I don't know because my eyes were closed. If you stumbled across me in my normal prayer time, you might think I'm even asleep. I have a prayer chair in my office, and really, it's a prayer recliner. (laughs) (laughs) And if you come by my days, about 50% of the time, I will spend 10 minutes a day in that chair praying. And it's amazing how much prayer you can get done in 10 minutes. I pray for some things I'm grateful for. I pray for some people who are on my prayer list, some situations on my heart and mind. And then I spend most of my prayer time with whatever passage of the day there is. And I imagine that passage, I think of, picture it and think of myself there, and I interact with the characters. I have a very vivid imagination. And I try to connect pieces of it to my life and talk to God there. And when I feel done, which is usually about nine and a half minutes, I get up and I go to work. I've had dull and distracted prayer times, and I've had very vivid and memorable ones, but I've never noticed even a glint of dazzling white. The stories of Jesus' story of Jesus' transformation on the mountaintop is the one we always get on the last Sunday before Lent. It's called Transfiguration Reading. And the season of Lent that we're about to enter, starting with Ash Wednesday, is one of preparation for Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter. And the transfiguration for Jesus was preparation for his own experience of Holy Week, Good Friday, and Easter. A journey that began with this spiritual transformation that happens in prayer. And in the Moses text, the Exodus text, we have Moses experiencing a transformation in prayer. Which is a good thing, because not only is this Sunday the last Sunday before Lent, and the Sunday of the Gospel of the Transfiguration, but it's also the last Sunday of our Way of Love sermon series, when we've been exploring spiritual practices. And the last practice we're exploring is prayer. So it all worked out. Three years ago, I was part of a preaching seminar, and the uh, major question of that seminar put to us was, does your preaching help people pray? Now, even on my most humble days, I consider myself a pretty good preacher, but I couldn't answer that question. I hope that my preaching helps you engage scripture. I hope it helps you reflect on your life. I hope it helps you live more faithfully. But whether it helps you pray, I don't know. And I didn't even, couldn't even imagine really what a sermon that helped people pray looked like, sounded like, other than walking you through some instructional guides. What does that mean? And yet how important it must be, because even preaching that inspires the mind and the heart 
if it doesn't engage, enrich your prayer life, if that languishes, this place where your relationship with God is centered, well, that's a pretty big thing to be missing. So over the last few years, I've tried to be more intentional about addressing prayer in my preaching, and yet I still feel quite a novice. But I can't imagine a more pertinent and helpful topic to engage in today. And I pray that God will do something with what I have to say about prayer in your prayer life. Prayer, simply put, is conversation with God. And conversation is two-way communication. You talk to God, God talks to you. That communication can occur with words or with action or even in silence. And the purpose of prayer is to build a relationship between you and God. You can't have a relationship with someone you pretty much only think or talk about. And you can't have that because you either get too detached from whoever you're thinking and talking about, God in this case, or you spend most of your time projecting upon that person, God, what you think or feel they should be. Now that's an odd thing to think because most critics of religion, religion in general, would say that God is a projection of humans. And I understand their case. But what I would say is that if you accept that God is real, and then if you interact with God on a regular basis, intentionally and honestly, that God is extremely resistant to your projection. God just does not say what you want God to say. Doesn't point you, doesn't affirm all the things you think, right? So in that way, the interaction with God, real interaction with God, is prayer. It's how our relationship flourishes. Our first introduction to prayer is usually worship. And we do a lot of communal prayers in worship, or maybe it's prayer before mealtimes or bedtime ritual prayer. And we do a lot of that type of prayer, prayer together, ritual prayer. Um, So I don't want to focus on that today. I want to focus instead on individual prayer, individual prayer time between you and God. Now, some of you may remember being taught in Sunday school the acronym ACTS. Let's see if we can do it. Adoration, confession, someone want to take tea? Thanksgiving, nicely done, Sherry. And S, it's a word you only use in prayer. Supplication, that's right, just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) So this acronym ACTS, embracing what you should include when you pray to God, sort of your first steps into prayer. You should uh, honor what God has done. God, you've created this world in such a wonderful way. Adoration. Um, There are so many ways that I fall short. Confession. Thank you for putting these people in my life, this work in my life. Thanksgiving. And please help me to figure out what you want me to do. Or please be with my friend in the hospital. Supplication. And a lot of our communal prayers are structured similarly to that. Now, there's another instruction for prayer that's a little more recent, and it comes from the Reverend Adam Weber. Keep it simple, keep it honest, keep it short. And both are great advice for people who are beginning a personal prayer life. But they miss an important part. They miss the second half. 
the listening to God. How do you hear God? Now, there's far more to prayer than is possible to address in one sermon. So I'm going to focus on this question. How can you hear God? I was joking with our forum group. We had a forum um, on prayer. And that if 95% of your prayer life is talking and 5% of your prayer life is listening, you can imagine what that relationship looks like. If your friendships were that way, you probably wouldn't have many real friends, right? So how do you hear God? Now that then bids the question, does God speak? Does God speak to us? And that question even makes me uncomfortable because I have an answer, which is yes, but I know that it can't hold up to even faith-infused objective scrutiny. In scripture, God absolutely speaks to people. Sometimes in words, sometimes in nature, sometimes through others, sometimes through dreams, sometimes through feelings. And today we see how hard it is even for the writers of scripture to describe it though. For both Moses and Jesus, they don't talk about what Moses and Jesus heard in their prayer time or felt in their prayer time. They just describe what they looked like after it. It's hard it's hard to describe what it means to hear or feel God speak. But they encountered God, and in what way, we don't know. But God communicated with them, just as they communicated with God. The great scientist George Washington Carver was a man of faith, and when he prayed, he addressed God as Mr. Creator. So he was taking a walk in the woods and praying, and he said, Mr. Creator, why did you make the universe? And he listened for God's response, and God said, little man, that question is too big for you. Try another. So the next time he's walking in the woods and he prays, Mr. Creator, why did you make man? Why did you make man? And he listened and he heard this, Little man, that question is too big for you. Try another. And so the next time he's walking in the woods and he prays, Mr. Creator, why did you make the peanut? And he heard, little man, that question is just your size. You listen and I will teach you. And of course he comes to create 300 ways to use that peanut. Now most of the time when I hear God in prayer, it is in conversation. And just like in Carver's case, I have found that God does not tend to answer lofty questions or predict the future, much to my chagrin. God does feel very comfortable with telling me what things I can and cannot know and what I am and am not in control of. And that is humbling. But what God also seems to be quite good at is taking out what's already inside of me and pulling out and make connections that I'm not able to make in my general living, to give me insights that I didn't appear to me at 2 a.m. when I couldn't fall back asleep. It seems in those times that God can inspire, can comfort, can break me out of negative patterns of thinking and occasionally give me an epiphany of wisdom. And now I can't say for sure if it's God or my inner voices talking to each other, but I can say it's much more productive and insightful inner voice time than the rest of my day. 
And I like to think that God may be guiding those inner voices. And occasionally, occasionally, that voice is distinct. Other times I experience God's response in a feeling and sometimes not or an interaction and sometimes not until hours or days after a prayer. And usually it's not in response to any particular question. It's still a response, though. And sometimes I get no response from God at all, days, weeks, even months. It can be blamed on my own lack of attention to God, or it can be despite intense prayer efforts. But I've come to accept that that's just part of the prayer life. Renita Weems, who is an African-American minister and who wrote the best memoir on prayer called Listening to God, says it best, I believe, and remarking about how the long absences of hearing from God. That it's faith, I suppose, learning how to live in the meantime between when we last heard from God and next hear from God. So how can you hear God? You've got to give God some time and space in your life. Now, daily prayer time is great, but if that seems way too ambitious, I have another way of turning up the volume on the hearing aid for prayer, so to speak. And that's to invite God in what you're already doing. That in your prayer on your way to start the day, is may I see and hear you, God, in the work that I do, in the people that I meet, and in the words that I speak. That you attune yourself, that you expect to hear God. If you do choose to set aside time for personal prayer on a daily basis, I recommend, or 50% daily basis, which I think is pretty good, I recommend using the same place in the same format. It'll cue your body and your spirit to being receptive. And if you're in a small group here at the church, or if you journal, or have another way of doing this, answer the question each week. Where did I see God this week? Where did I experience God this week? Because knowing that you have to answer that question makes you more attentive to seeing it. It makes you able to see, to hear, above the other noise in your life. There is so much more to say about prayer. Everything from tips, strategies, to talking honestly about when you just can't pray. And it's impossible to cover all that in one sermon. So instead I want to leave you with something that I hope will keep you coming back to prayer. And I find myself doing this at times when, in prayer, I'm distracted by the voices in my head or I just want to get started on whatever else I'm supposed to be doing that day, and it's very clear that this is not going to be a memorable or meaningful prayer time, and so I need to cut my losses. I close out that prayer with, well, I'll keep showing up. And God responds, so will I. And I found that like in most things, if you keep showing up, you get better. And if you get better in prayer, the relationship with God that comes from that will transform you. Amen.